five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Are you ready to level up the podcast for leaders, entrepreneurs, and business with your hosts, Jose Medina and Crystal Garcia? It's time to level up. Hey, and we're back again with another episode of the Undeniable Level Up podcast. Last week, we covered the importance of not confusing emotion for action. We shared 11 rules to help you avoid getting caught up in lost emotion so that you're able to take deliberate action. This is important to ensure that you're able to accomplish your goals and objectives and get after winning. If you're just joining us for the first time today, I invite you to go back and listen to some of our earlier podcasts where we cover some important topics having to do with leadership, entrepreneurship, and business. Topics that include finding your why, living your values, defining success, and our favorite, extreme ownership. Yeah. And today, uh, today we're going to focus on how to organize your life. And I say life because um, there are many like you who, like Crystal and I, live in constant motion. Um, we're always moving from one set of activities to another, and that requires different tools in each one of those subsets in order to remain efficient and as productive as possible. This could include being organized as a single parent or as a dual income parent, while also being organized at work, while also being organized in regards to health and fitness, while being organized in your business or your side hustle. Each one of these group activities require varying degrees of organization in order to ensure the best possible outcome in each one of those scenarios. This ensures that you're capable of getting the most done with the time that you have available. Christina Scalisi says, organization isn't about perfection. It's about efficiency, reducing stress and clutter, and saving time and money and improving your overall quality of life. Do you agree with Christina that organization isn't about perfection? Yeah, I agree. I don't think organization is about perfection. I think organization is about planning, personally. If you have a solid plan and you have a, a system or a process that you're able to get more done, it put things in place so you're not searching, you're not hunting, you're not looking. I think there's there's a lot of wasted time in that. I, I spend a lot of my day actually planning and organizing before I even start to execute. What about you? Yeah, I agree with that. I've, I've always been um, pretty organized, I would say. I actually had somebody play a joke on me one time. <laughs> After I had a major operation, they thought it would be funny to disorganize my organized house. It, that was pretty stressful. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, it was um, It was very stressful for you. And I remember you uh, coming home and being pissed off. <laughs> I was. I was very upset. Yeah. But the, the organization for me, you know, like you said, has to do with placing things in a manner that allows for the highest level of efficiency. A great example would actually be kind of our fitness regimen. When we're prepping for meals, I like for things to be organized so that there's a very efficient process in putting our meal prep together. So I have all our containers near the utensils and then near um, whatever supplements and stuff we do. That way, everything's all in the same area. It would drive me nuts if the containers were on one side of the kitchen and then the supplements were on the other side of the kitchen. Obviously, it would take you longer to do your meal prep and put things together because you haven't organized in a manner that allows for that maximum efficiency. Uh, absolutely. And there, there was an exercise that, um, that I did when I was at Cardinal Health. Um, we kind of discussed it. We kind of talked about it. And it's about 5S. And it's about everything having a place and, and a place for everything. 
and you kind of allude to that in kind of like your your meal prep scenario where like if you think about a drawer with your silverware in your silverware drawer you have this organizer where the spoons are in one in one slot the knives are in another slot your forks are in another slot um, but now just imagine that not being there and then all of that just jumbled in there all together. And when you need a spoon or a fork, you got to hunt through, you know, you got to <laughs> sort through all all that silverware trying to find that one spoon or that one knife that you need. And there's a lot of uh, efficiency generated by having that organization and being able to go in there and say, OK, I don't have any spoons. Right. <laughs> all my spoons are dirty. I need to wash dishes. And knowing that just by opening your door and looking and not having to hunt for something that's not there. And there's a lot of efficiency saved there. Yeah, Absolutely. It is possible to have organization in one aspect of your life and then not in others. Uh, for example, you might be very organized at work, but you might struggle to find some organization at home. There are many reasons why someone might find themselves disorganized and overwhelmed in one or multiple, multiple aspects of their lives. The first could be lack of focus. According to the NBC News, there is evidence suggesting that having too much visual stimulus can cause your attention to falter. If your home is cluttered and there's too much stimulus, you may find productivity at home to be poor as your attention bounces from one stimulus to another. Same thing happens if your work desk is cluttered and there's papers all over your desk. How have you found working from home when you've had to work from home? I actually do not prefer <laughs> to work from home for a few reasons. One, because it's more of a relaxed setting isn't to me really conducive to work. Even when you have a home office, the, the feeling is just different to me. When I've been forced to work from home, I have my monitors set up exactly the same way that I have them set up at work. I have everything available right there in my area that I typically would have available at work so that I have recreated that same productive environment. So I, I kind of try to organize it in the same manner so that it provides some level of efficiency that's similar to what I'm, I'm used to using at work. Yeah. How, how do you keep your focus, though, with um, all the distractions like your television, your phone, your family members, whatever? How, how do you how do you stay focused? I lock them out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it no. makes sense. Fortunately, my kids are no longer younger. Everybody's adults that are in the house. So that can be a little bit easier. I know if I was having to work from home when my children were little, that wouldn't even be possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't, truthfully. That's definitely a struggle. So um, I've been on calls and I've heard people's kids in the background or their dogs in the background. Yeah. And I always think, man, I'm so lucky that, you know, my kids are all grown up now and that that's, that's not something that I'm having to, you know, that, that breaks my attention. For me, um, it's really easy to get caught up in doing day-to-day -day stuff at home when you're trying to work from home and there's a lot of distractions. And as soon as you leave your office space and you walk into your living space, it's hard to get back into that mindset of being in that work environment. So I definitely prefer coming into the office. Um, now, there are some scenarios where um, I prefer to work at home where like if I've got to be somewhere, or I got to do something that's closer to home. It doesn't make any sense to drive all the way to the office and then, you know, have to come back. But if but I have know, a choice, I prefer to be at the office. But what's funny is that that's that's also part of organizing your day for efficiency, because when you have something to do that's close to home and you have the capability of working from home, it makes sense that you not waste time by going to the office and then having to leave an yeah. hour later. So I think that's still part of organizing, you know, your life. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Another reason for disorganization in your life is that you're constantly procrastinating, telling yourself that you'll do it later instead of just getting it done. 
You continue to put it off and eventually it gets done late or worse, it never gets done at all. This could be as simple as throwing that full laundry basket of laundry into the washer or meal prepping for the week. Delaying certain tasks eventually result in a buildup of competing requirements against your very limited resources of time. What things do you typically procrastinate on? I guess for me, the things that I procrastinate on are things that I don't want to do. Typically, they're chores, <laughs> um, <laughs> like uh, washing clothes or like washing the dishes or cleaning the house. Like they're, they're things that are not kind of focused on enjoyable tasks for me. So I, I'm like, oh, I'll just put it off and I'll just do it later. I think that another big one for me is also fitness. I find myself sometimes being tired and telling myself, oh, I'm not going to do it this morning. I'll do it tonight. And then tonight comes and I'm over, you know, I'm even more tired tonight. And so I'm like, oh, I'll just do it tomorrow. And, and then sometimes that can turn into like a snowball effect where you just keep kicking that can down the road and you never make it to the gym and you never get that workout in that you wanted to do. And so I find myself procrastinating on things when I'm feeling tired and I'm not motivated to do them. The things that you're procrastinating on, do you feel like in any way that you've categorized those things as not being important um, or not, not so much that they're not important, but that they're lower on your priority list. So maybe that task is low on the priority list. And so you're procrastinating on those things. More, more likely. Yeah. I, I try to focus more on what we're doing in terms of our business and our, uh, you know, our, our commitments. So I always prioritize our commitments first. So if like, for example, we're training with our personal trainer, that's obviously a, a, a priority. If we're going to jujitsu, that's a priority. If we're going into the business, that's a priority. But then the things where there's no accountability, those things are easier to procrastinate on. And for example, I would never miss a, a an appointment with my trainer, but I, I would push back a workout session on my own. Right. You know what I'm saying? Cause that, that lack of that lack of accountability allows me to get away with that. And so one of the reasons why I enjoy having a trainer is because of that accountability aspect of it is saying, well, I have to get up and I have to meet him at the gym at five o'clock in the morning and I have to get that workout in whether I want it or not. It's easier for me to procrastinate on the things where there's no accountability. Yeah, I agree with that. One of the ways that I think I avoid procrastinating and not that I always do, because <laughs> I'm certainly not perfect. And I definitely procrastinate on some of those things that in the grand scheme of things, I feel like aren't as important. They're lower on, you know, on the list. But I do find myself saying, oh, I'll do it tonight when I get home. And then tonight when I get home, I'm like, I'm so tired. I'll do it tomorrow. Some of the ways that I find to avoid procrastinating is well, organizing really is the most important thing. So organizing your life, your year, your month, your days in a manner where you have time built in for things that come up or time for those tasks that maybe you find yourself procrastinating on and sticking to your own schedule. Um, sometimes that can be hard because you say, okay, you know, like for us, obviously we can, you know, technically create, you know, our own work hours. And um, sometimes we're at work late and, you know, sometimes we'll come in, you know, a little bit later than we typically do. Well, when you have a really jam-packed schedule and um, you're an hour late, two hours late, man, that throws off your entire day and can potentially throw off your entire week. So yeah. those those tasks that you have that you typically, you know, might procrastinate with, I can almost guarantee you that those are going to, you know, be the things that you are procrastinating on. So Yeah, no, Absolutely. A third reason for disorganization in your life comes from having unrealistic expectations. 
Uh, and having unrealistic expectations can cause you to get stuck, causing work to backlog, creating poor efficiency, and causing further disorganization. At home, this might present as, I can't go to the gym unless the house is completely clean. Or at work, it could present as, I have to read every single email and respond by the end of the day for every single email. That really causes a lot of, it causes a lot of congestion in your in your workflow. Right. Have unrealistic expectations ever impacted your ability to, to get or remain organized? For sure. And I'll say that when I'm putting together a schedule, sometimes I will go like <laughs> right up to the minute. So I'll say, okay, this task is going to take me from eight to nine. That may not be a task that takes from eight to nine. And so when you plan out your schedule that way, and I would say the biggest way to prevent this would be to know how much time it takes to do a certain task. If you put everything into one day and maybe they're all your big, you know, most important things. The reality is things are going to come up during the day and you're probably not going to finish all those things in that day. So you have to be mindful of that and not be overzealous in, in putting your stuff together and organizing, you know, your life. So in order for you to remain organized, you can't have unrealistic expectations. You're not going to get everything done in a 24 hour period Unless you don't have much to do. <laughs> yeah. and, and you kind of talk about, you know, when you're prioritizing and you say, you know, I, I put in a, like, a, let's say a critical task and you say, I, I give it an hour and then you will put another critical task right behind it. That might not be that great of an idea right. um, because then if one task goes over, now you're into your next critical task and, and you have to get that done. So you, you may be stacking your, your schedule or, or your day with too many critical tasks that you maybe should have spread out a little bit and give yourself some uh, some breathing room on your schedule. You know? Right. That's absolutely right. And you always have to plan for things to get, you know, to go over. It's, it's smarter to plan a little bit more time and then to kind of push things up as you need to push them up as opposed yeah. to having to push everything the other direction. Right. Push everything back. Yeah. Right? And it yeah. creates, a, you know, an unnecessary stress too. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. For me, my biggest challenge when it comes to unrealistic expectations at work have to do with emails. And I've worked at places where you get thousands of emails in a week, thinking that you have to respond to every single email or that you have to like organize your inbox so that everything is read. Um, that's a, <laughs> that's a big challenge. And, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this specific challenge because there are some organizations that just have so much um, email communication. And a lot of it, especially as you get up higher in, uh, in responsibility, where you're just being copied and CC'd on, on things for your awareness, but they don't, they don't really require you to take an action. But reading through all that sometimes will stop you from getting to the important emails that are that require a response or require you to take an action or whatever. I know in the last job that I, were, that I, that I was at, that was a very big challenge for me. And I struggled because I'm a zero <laughs> emails in my inbox type of guy. Like I want everything to be read and everything to be responded to. Right. Um, and I don't respond with like one word. I, I don't respond with just like got it or thanks. Like I'm, I'm providing a, a full complete response, you know? And so sometimes that can take a lot of my time. And I really struggled in terms of trying to find a way to organize my inbox in a way that allowed me to get through all that communication and identify the ones that I needed to do something about versus the ones that, you know, it was just for my information that I can just kind of file to the side. And so what I did for my inbox in order to be able to move along and, and become a little bit more organized, I just created, 
in the past, what I used to do was I would create a folder for every single every single department. <laughs> I would create a folder. But then for you every have single, to drag and drop all that. Yes, and it takes a lot of time. Yeah. And so a lot of your a lot of my day is spent organizing my my email. You know what I'm saying? And, and so you're you're losing productivity in that right. process. Um, so what I did was I created a box that said red, and I created another box that said actions. And so if I read an email that required action, I dropped it in my action box. So I knew I had to go back into that action That's box. Pretty and, smart. Yeah, it, and it was just because the volume. I, it, the volume of emails is probably like maybe two to 300 a day. Yeah. And there's no way that you can read two to 300 emails, nope. especially when some of them require you to take actions. that's going to take time out of your schedule. And right. on top of that, you have meetings and you, you know, so you really have to be able to be able to organize that in a way that allows you to prioritize those emails in a way that lets you get the most done. And so that's really important to be able to do. Right. I actually have rules set up for email. So if yeah. it's, if I'm CC'd that goes automatically into a folder. So it's, it's not showing up on my main screen, like, Hey, this is important. And then there's certain Smart. people that I have listed as being, you know, like, Hey, if they send something like our HR director, the VP of operations, those people have priority in my inbox because typically they don't just, you know, send me a, Hey, FYI, usually it's something important that, that requires a higher level of attention. Yeah. Um, so those pop up on the top of my my inbox. But yes, I hate, man, when I lay in the bed at night and I see I've got 90 unread messages, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to lay in bed and read all these. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you try to, but you can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing I do when I'm scanning my, my emails, I don't have rules and that's a really good idea. What you just said, um, if I, I think if I had rules, it would have been a lot easier and I probably should have implemented some rules. But for me, what I would do is I would scan through the emails and I would look for where it is, is addressed to me. So if it's a, if it's addressed to me, I immediately read it because it's to me, and so it probably so requires for me to respond. Yeah. yeah, but if it's uh, either a group or it's a, it's a generalized message, I don't even read it. I just move it out of my inbox. You know, depending on what the topic is. You know, yeah. and if you're a salesperson and you spam me, oh my god, <laughs> you go into a special folder too. Yeah, you go into the jerk folder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a fourth cause of disorganization is having too many distractions. At home, this could be the kids, the television, the spouse, the dog, the cat. Too many distractions pulling you away from what you have planned to do, intend to do, or need to do. This includes competing priorities and difficulty with prioritizing. How do you prioritize so that you get the right things done at the right time? And how do you handle distractions? Um, I guess for me, the way that I prioritize is based on my values. One of my values is, is being consistent with my word, uh, having integrity and being honest. And so if I commit to something, then I'm going to do everything I can in my power to meet that commitment. Right. Um, and so that's always a priority for me, but that's because my values are integrity and honesty and being a man of my word. So that's really important. If I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do everything I can to try to do it. Now, I don't always, sometimes I fall short and that does happen, but I am definitely going to prioritize anything that I said I was going to do. Then the other thing that, that I use is my values. So family is a value of mine. So anything relating to family is going to be a priority. I'm going to put that over everything else. Obviously, health is another priority. So I'm going to put health over, you know, things that are not related to health, wealth, is my third focus. So anything having to do with business, I'm going to prioritize over like, for example, I've been trying to find time to meet up with Ezra Hezekiah, which is one of my, he's one of my best friends. And we do music together, shoot videos together. And I've been trying to find time to link up, but we can't because I keep prioritizing the, the things that are 
aligned on my values. And right. even though I consider him he family, falls into it, yeah. Yeah, he falls into that family group, the task is not really associated with family, health, or wealth, you know what I'm saying? So right. I do try to find time to spend with him in other ways, like when we went to the uh, the Cat Williams show, but like trying to connect with him and, and do art with him is has just been a challenge recently. And I just really got to find a way to prioritize it a little bit more. And, and our schedules are really busy, so it's not it doesn't always align. So it's something that I just got to be a little bit more deliberate with and, you know, just manage my time a little bit better. But, you know, I, I also know that in, in you doing music, that that's a sense of kind of your your energized time of, of getting time to be creative and almost a wellness factor. So I think it's still in alignment with your values, maybe not as high on your priority list, I guess would yeah. be. No, I agree. Know. It's definitely a, it's almost like a version of journaling for me. So it, it is very helpful for me and, and it allows me to be creative. So I definitely enjoy that release. So for me, at work and at home, we have a few different things set up to kind of keep us all kind of tracking what's going on and how to prioritize things in the most efficient manner. And I want to give you guys some examples because, you know, sometimes people think that, you know, you have this perfect situation. Like earlier I said, you know, I don't have young children, but that doesn't mean that I don't have distractions or I don't have a schedule that makes it hard for me to manage you know, the different tasks that we have throughout the day. So one of the things that we do in our personal lives, in our home life, is we have a shared calendar where we put things like flights for trips that were, that were going on, whether they're for work or, or personal medical appointments. So obviously we all have medical appointments. My mother-in-law is currently getting some treatment done. She has regular appointments with various um, specialists. And that requires for us to juggle everything going on and also juggle all those things. So when, um, even when it comes to work and it's a blessing that we're, you know, that we're able to work together, we have to say, okay, what do you have going on on this day at work? You know, or maybe something comes up later and it wasn't something that we had pre-planned. You know, oh, well, tomorrow I have this meeting at one. Okay, well, I'll take her to her appointment today and then you take her next time. That way we're not, we're not losing the time that we need to have at work to accomplish the tasks we need to accomplish at work, but together we're we're kind of kind of melding our schedules together in a manner that allows for us to still get those things done. So definitely things come up. You know, you may not be perfect at dealing with distractions. I know I'm not. One thing, and anybody that's close to me knows this, is if I'm doing one task, it's really hard for me to do another task. I know people say, oh, I'm really good at multitasking. Guys, it's psychologically impossible. <laughs> Look it up. It, because you won't devote 100% of your attention to one thing. You think that you're multitasking, but neither one would, would get your full effort, which would mean that it wouldn't have the same outcome, the same successful outcome. But one of the things for me that's really hard is if I'm reading something and, and then I hear music and I hear the TV, guys, I, it, that drives me nuts. <laughs> I feel like I have multiple people talking to me at the same time and I'm supposed to answer them all at the same time. It's, it's really frustrating. So a tool that I use to try to handle that is one, obviously they know that I can't do that. But two is sometimes you have to find what allows for you to get into kind of a zone to be able to handle the distractions that you have. Maybe that's putting on headphones. Maybe that's the environment that you place yourself in. Maybe it's the things in your environment, how your desk is set up, how your room's set up. Those things can all be ways of placing you kind of in that that state of 
being um, less likely to be distracted. Just some tools that work for me that might work for you as well. You know, you talked about multitasking and I agree with you. It's impossible to do two things at the same time. I like to call what I'm able to do divisional tasking, right? <laughs> and, and what I mean by that, is, and I'm pretty good at this because I don't have that same type of requirement that you have where you have to focus on something, you need to complete it before you can then apply your attention somewhere else. For me, it's very easy to stop doing one task and then to transition into another task and then to be able to come back to that task. It's not efficient in any kind of way. It's always best to like, once you start something to have that and you have that energy and that focus to get it done, that is the right, the best way to do it. But as a leader in an organization, especially at an executive level, it's really important to have that as a skill set to be able to to stop because there's so many distractions that come up. And you know, what's funny is obviously, you know, for you guys who have listened to us before, you know, that we're, we were both in the military and then I worked in emergency management Something that I that has just been a skill of mine since I was a little girl is when chaos happens, I am one of those people who I can calm down, I can assess everything, I don't get freaked out, I'm very calm about it, I can say, here's how many people are here, this is what we're going to do, like I, there's this really strange laser focus that I have in the middle of chaos, but then you sit me down and you play a TV and a radio and I'm like... Oh my gosh. (laughs) It's a whole different scenario, which is probably why you do so well in chaos. But I think that really has to do with adrenaline and with managing chaos, you know what I'm saying? As opposed to being focused and executing a task. I think it's a little bit different because there's really no chaos there. It's more about focus and about, you know what I'm saying? That's that's why I think it might be different. One thing that I do have a challenge with sometimes, and because Crystal can be so laser focused on tasks, Sometimes I don't understand why she's ignoring me when I'm talking to her or I'll say something to her and she won't respond at all because she's so focused on what she's doing. I think it's really important when that is your situation that you communicate that to the people that you are working with or the people that are around you because they may feel like you're ignoring them and not understand that this is a type of, of focus that you need in order to accomplish your job. So now sometimes when I, I don't get offended when I say something and she doesn't respond to me, I understand she's in her zone. And then I, I try to wait to get her attention and, and then bring, you know, bring the conversation back up. But I know at the very beginning when I didn't know you as well as I do now, that was an issue for me. I was like, yeah. well, I don't understand why you're not listening to me or why you're ignoring me. Did you not hear what I said? And you'd be like, oh, I was, I was reading something or I was in a zone, you know? And you know, before, so I, I have PTSD and, and before I had PTSD, I don't think that was an issue for me. I think that became an issue when I was diagnosed with PTSD and I started having issues with focus and right. short-term memory. It's almost like it's, it's an over sensory, you know, like a sensory overload for me. Sure. I kind of equate that more really to that. So it makes sense. Yeah. So when you're struggling to focus, it's hard when you have all these things trying to break your focus, if that makes sense. So finally, an inability to make a decision can result in disorganization, getting stuck in what we call analysis paralysis and data diving when you should be making a decision. How do you make decisions at home versus work? I would like to say pretty similarly, but I always feel like I have more flexibility at home more so than work. But it kind of depends. So I'm going to give an an example in business. So there's a number of different ways that we get customers. Either they come to us, they come to us and say, hey, we need your services. Or we speak to them and they say, hey, we could use your services. 
And if you're not very aware of how the supply chain industry is doing right now, pre-COVID, things were coming in regularly. The containers were being offloaded from the ships regularly. And even though they were short drivers, those moves were happening regularly. Then when COVID took place, a lot of the containers that we get are from overseas. They're from China or wherever else. And so they were halted. Of course, now as things started to move, now you've got all these containers coming in and there's not enough people to get these containers, move these containers. Now we're seeing a lot of customers coming to us in this bum rush of, hey, we have all these containers that that have piled up and we need your help. When we're trying to make a decision about new business, and there's a lot of things that go that go into that, the money that it takes to get into a new business, the location, if it requires for us to set up new things that aren't currently set up in a specific area, when they come forward, I can say, and I'm not just speaking just, I guess, me personally, but when they come forward, we can make a quick decision and say, this is great, this is a good idea. And then sometimes things come forward and we're like, okay, right now we're really busy. We've added X amount of businesses. And so then I find myself kind of getting into the, okay, we need to dig into this a little bit deeper. This can't be a, you know, this can't be a knee jerk. Yes, no. And so there's, there's different things that we have to look at. I definitely can say that I feel like at times I can take too long making a decision and I'm going to tell you why. I know I know this about my personality, so if none of you guys have ever done a disc assessment on your personality, I recommend you do it. Figure out kind of what drives your personality because it'll definitely answer a lot of questions and how you deal with situations and also in knowing other people how they deal with situations as well. I am dominant red-blue. Red is number one. Blue is number two. Red is dominant. Blue is your statistical person. My red and blue are very close. So red is like, they just want the meat and potatoes and blue wants the data. Sometimes I'm like, I want the meat and potatoes. Just give me the meat and potatoes. Give me the, give me the data. Don't give me the backstory. But then sometimes I'm like, eh, you know, like I need, I need more of that data to make a decision. So I definitely count on the people that work with me to let me know if they feel like I'm not making a decision that I should be in the amount of time that I should be. So if I'm experiencing that analysis paralysis where I'm digging too deep into it. Recently with a customer that we had, the numbers were high. It would have been very good for business. And so when it was proposed, I said, okay, let's dig into this because there's a couple things that concern me that they came back with. So let's send this to our finance guys. Let's see where they're at financially to see if, because this is a big contract and it means that we've got to provide them a certain certain level of credit that exposes us as a business. So let's do a little bit more digging. There were some pretty tough conversations over this customer because everybody was excited about this customer and was like, this customer is big. This it can do so much for us. Well, when our finance guys came back, they said their credit history is horrible you cannot agree to the terms that they've pushed back on. It exposes you to a lot. Um, what we can do is we can offer a different set of terms. So they gave us a couple different ideas of what we could do. And when we push that back to the customer, guys, we got ghosted. <laughs> we got ghosted. Yeah, sure so sometimes I think when you feel like you're in that analysis paralysis, you are, <laughs> and sometimes you're not. Rather, it's at home or at work when you're making decisions, just... Remember that you don't want to get stuck in analysis paralysis and prevent yourself from making decisions, kind of going down to a rabbit hole and saying, oh, but what if this? Oh, but what if this? Oh, but what if this? You know, 
and, and yes, you know, assess the level of risk. So if initially you're like, this isn't dangerous, this isn't this, this isn't that, yes, you know, or no, you know, because worst case scenario, if the risk is low, even in the worst case scenario, the impact isn't bad. Yeah. So I would, um, I would say from my experience working with you, it's not that you get caught in analysis paralysis. I don't think that is the case from my experience, but I do think that you take more of a devil's advocate approach to a lot of decision-making process where um, someone will present an idea or a concept or an opportunity and you'll um, look at it from the worst case scenario type deal as opposed to maybe an unbiased focus or maybe a positive focus. And so I don't think you get caught up in the um, in the minutia of the details. I think the, the the details that you need and that you want to make your decision is um, is information that you do need. You say you're um, you're blue, you're a red blue equally, right? And so I kind of want to expand on that a little bit because a lot of people may not know what that means. So with with the disc model, the um, the red color is indicative of a um, alpha male or alpha female, right? And it's your your upfront leader, take charge, and I you know I want to shine, I want to look good doing it, and that's kind of how that kind of looks. Your blue is very data-driven, very analytical. They want all the details. They like charts and graphs and, and math. And, uh, and those guys have, um, they make their, their decisions based off of the details. Your red guys make decisions based off of feeling. And I'm also red-blue. So I, I kind of relate, but my red is a lot higher than my blue. So a lot His of times, red is really, really high. Yeah. So I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely what I would consider to be an alpha male, just genetically, like just, you know, just the way my mind works. So I would make a decision based off of directional correctness, right? If it feels like it's the right thing to do. And, you know, and obviously I take some things into consideration. I don't just make knee jerk reactions, but I don't need all the details in order to say, yeah, I think this is right, the right move or no, this is not the right move. And it, I, it served me well as an entrepreneur. Um, but there's also been some negative um, repercussions as an entrepreneur because of this. Um, I've lost money in the past in different business deals where I should have been a little bit more detailed, a little bit more data driven. And so that's something that, that obviously I have to work on. But I would say that your decision process is more along the blue blue side. You really want the details. You really want to be presented with the details. Now, if you need an immediate decision from you, yeah, you're a meat and potatoes kind of person. Like if you're like, hey, I need a yes or a no right now, then you're just like, all right, just give me the details that I need and then you make a decision. But definitely when we're making a business decision, I, I know e even a family decision where we're talking about, are we going to buy a house? Are we not going to buy a house? We're going to buy a car. You're always looking at the details and searching for the best possible outcome. So- I agree with that. DISC is something that I think has really helped leaders in their ability to be emotionally intelligent with their teams. And so I think we'll probably do a bonus episode on the DISC assessment and yeah. kind of give you guys something to go with. And I'll just give you kind of a quick example of the difference in, in the decision-making process with red, blue, um, green, and yellow. So red is your dominant like meat and potatoes, blue is your statistical person. And they're generally the type of person, they're, they're a little bit more introverted. They would be your person who's pretty humble and not, doesn't like to be recognized um, openly in front of people. They might get a little bit embarrassed. Reds, actually, you would think that because they're dominant that, you know, you recognizing them, that they would just eat that up. 
Um, they're very competitive, but they care. If you tell them they're doing a good job, it actually kind of brings down their guard a little bit. It's, it's humbling for them. And then a green is somebody who wants to see unity with everybody. They're generally people who do jobs like medical jobs or jobs where they're helping people, where they're doing nonprofit organizations. Their strong suit is not making tough decisions. They have a really hard time firing people. They have a really hard time giving people honest feedback because they're worried about how the person's going to feel and how that's going to impact the team. And so they have a hard time making decisions like that. But when they make a decision, they are black or white. So once they've reached that, I'm done with you, they're done with you. And then your yellow is kind of your inspiration guys. You're kind of feeding everybody crazy energy guys. These are your comedians. Um, these are your people that are your morning people that are like, hey, everybody, how, how are things going? So a good, a good example of how um, these, these different um, colors or personalities approach a situation so I read something where they said a, a banana pill was on the ground and the person steps on it and they slip and they fall, right? So the red person's like, God dang it, stupid banana pill. You know, they walk off. The blue is like, why is this banana pill here? What can we do to prevent the banana pill from being here and from this not happening again? And then the green is like embarrassed. They slip, they fall. And they're like, eh, hope nobody noticed, you know, walk away. And the yellow um, slips on the banana peel and they're like, ha ha, did everybody see that? I just slipped on a banana peel. <laughs> and again, you know, we'll, we'll do a bonus episode on that, but I don't want any of you guys to think that any particular color is better than the other. Any personality is different than the other. Most people have all four to some degree. One will be higher than the other, but I, w- I don't want you to think that one's better than the other or worse than the other. They all provide some type of positive energy and positive influence in any setting that they're in. But it's important for you to know what you are and to know what the people that you're working with are so that you know how you you lead and how you move as opposed to how they lead and how they move and determine how you can best work together and how you can best influence each other and motivate each other in any setting. So... That's good. Um, one of the things that I'll do is I'll I'll drop the disc model into our show notes so that anyone wanting to dive deeper into that before we do our bonus episode on it, um, they can kind of look into it. Yeah, that'd be great. I think it'd be very helpful. Yeah. Someone way more intelligent than I once said, for every minute spent organizing, an hour is earned. In today's environment, the world moves at super fast lightning speed. Um, to keep up with the demand on your time, you have to be organized and have good organizational skills. I have seen extremely smart and talented individuals fail due to the simple fact that they were disorganized. Being disorganized can cause difficulties in your personal life, wreaking havoc on your finances due to later missed uh, payments on bills, living outside of your financial means due to not tracking expenses, missing important dates for family members such as birthdays, anniversaries, and graduations. You know, the list can go on. What tools have you used in your life to stay and remain organized? I've used various things to stay organized in my life, whether that's through digital means, like through a calendar on my phone that goes with me everywhere, through notes on my desk that cue me that, you know, I need to follow up on certain things and planning. Planning, I would say, is the absolute most important thing to staying organized, because if you haven't planned, then you're kind of chasing behind everything instead of being in front of it. And you will always do better if you're in front of things as opposed to chasing behind them. 
I agree. Um, I'm, I'm big on planners as well. Um, I'm actually using a new planner that I just purchased that I really, really enjoy. It gives me hour by hour ability to plan my day and to color coordinate it and pretty good. Um, I'll also add that in the show notes as well in case anybody's interested in a, like a really good planner. Yeah, calendars, I think, are, are really big. Um, I live off of my calendar. A lot of times when there's something going on, Crystal will say something like, uh, hey, there's an appointment on Friday and I'll look in the calendar to see what time it is. And if it's not in the calendar, I'm like, OK, what time? And I need to put it into the calendar because it's get upset with me. Yeah, if it's not in the calendar, <laughs> it, it, you can't really plan for it. And what ends up happening is you end up planning something on top of it. And then there's then there's confusion and there's issues. I have a hard time with uh, last minute changes to the to the plan or to the schedule. So that really, that really kind of um, throws me off. I, I yeah. definitely like to know, and I actually plan one week out in advance. So I'm already planning out next week and, you know, so. And we've actually gotten pretty good at the, you know, before that next week to discuss the week. And then as we're going right. through the week, we actually every night say, okay, what's the plan for tomorrow? Here's all the things that are going on. How are we attacking this together so that we can stay organized? Quick question. When you were a single parent in the military, how did you, that must have been very challenging for you having to kind of juggle being in the military and serving and also like trying to raise a family as a single, as a single parent. How'd you do that? How'd you stay organized then? I would say I didn't, I didn't do as well as I definitely would have liked to. Yeah. <laughs> eh. um, being a single parent in the military is really hard because daycares don't open in early enough for you to make it to where you need to make it to at the time you're supposed to be there, which obviously is a big deal. And also you can't take your kid to work and you don't just work eight to five. You belong to the military. So physical training in the morning and I had to find a home daycare as opposed to a traditional daycare so that I was actually able to have, you know, my daughter be at daycare in enough time for me to be able to make it to physical training in the morning. Right. And then in the evenings, you know, as, as you start to gain rank and you become a leader and you have soldiers that have all kinds of issues and you get calls in the middle of the night and you have to go to work after hours as a single parent, that's difficult. So I definitely, um, that was a point in my life where I had to count on other people for help. That was another leader who I worked with as my children got older, so like my oldest son will probably tell you, and he was at an age where he really needed for me to be with him a lot, or he was alone a lot. He was at home yeah. a lot and he was getting in trouble too, guys. <laughs> he wasn't always doing the right thing. He, you know, he was home a lot. If I had something to do at work or I had to stay late at work, I will say that one of the things that's, that's even more important when you're a single parent is in organizing your day. You know, I look back now and there's some days where I had no business being at work late. Um, where that was because I failed to organize my week properly. And because right. of that, it kept me at work and I realistically shouldn't have been at work late. Those particular times could have been prevented. And plus, on top of all that, obviously, if I'm away from the house all that time and my kids are alone or not getting that time, you know, that impacts other areas of your life. So. No, I, Absolutely. I never had to deal with that. Um, I can't even imagine being in the military was hard as it was. It was already challenging. And then to add that extra complexity on top of that in terms of trying to single-handedly take care of children and get them to daycare, still make it to PT on time, like, like that's really challenging. Yeah. And then for, you know, like I, I went to Afghanistan twice and then also to Haiti and like my youngest daughter, I felt really bad because constantly she'd go stay with her dad. Um, while I went to Afghanistan and while I went to Haiti. 
And so she was bouncing around different schools and then because of the military move. So we actually had a conversation the other day and she's like, mom, I've been to 12 schools. Well, she's also graduating early, but she also doesn't have those friends that she grew up with. So right. Yeah, there's a, there's a price to pay there. Yeah, for sure. Being disorganized can also cause damage to your professional life as well. Being disorganized reduces your efficiency in the workplace, driving down your productivity and costing you time and your employer money. Having to hunt for reports, filings, and other critical documents can cause you to be viewed as unreliable and disorganized. How have you organized in your past job positions and what worked best? What's worked best for me is um, definitely using a calendar, but also using leader standard work as well. Oh, I forgot all about that. Well, leader awesome. standard work? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely leader standard work has really helped me organize. Being able to identify all the tasks that are related to my job position and then being able to like put that onto a document where I can see these are all the tasks that I need to complete daily. These are the ones I need to complete weekly. These are the ones that are completed monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever the case is. And then being able to use that document to update my calendar so that my calendar is constantly up to date. Again, I live and breathe off my calendar. If it's not on my calendar, then I'm going to I'm gonna miss it. I'm not going to remember. It, we just got too much going on. I even put my workouts on my calendar. Then having the leader standard work in your calendar, then I use my planner as my day-to-day so I can update day to day because things change all the time. So instead of going in and changing it in my calendar, which wouldn't make any sense, I change it in my planner as I'm going through. So as my day is changing, I'm updating my planner, which is aligned with my leader standard work. So I think with all those tools together, those are the things that I use to kind of organize my life. And I don't really differentiate between business, life, fitness. Like I don't have- It's a, all kind of- yeah, yeah, it's all together, right? It's it's life. That's right. why I say, that's, that's why true. this topic is, yeah, <laughs> organizing your life because really it's not just about being organized in one aspect of it. You can be perfect at work and then be completely jacked up at home. You're not gonna have stress at work, but you're gonna have the stress from home. You're gonna be at work thinking about, man, I gotta go home. I gotta prep meals. I gotta wash clothes. I gotta clean the house. I gotta take the kids to their dental appointment. Like there's all these things that are going through your mind that you have to take care of. So you have to learn how to organize your life so that you can get all these things done because you still only got 24 hours. Yeah, you still got the same amount of time as everybody else to do that. I definitely, um, the leader standard of work is definitely key, I think, to, to being successful in your position overall because it lays out all the things that are expected of you, all the objectives for your particular business and position that you should be fulfilling in that daily, weekly, monthly, what it, you know, whatever it is, basis. And then that allows for you to plug everything else in around it. It also allows for you to see things and be able to plan in advance for things. You're not turning around and doing things last minute. And these are right. the things that you're being, you know, you're being judged against as an employee. And still you can use that leader standard of work for the rest of your life for certain aspects. Oh, um, absolutely. For any competition, whether it's, you know, a fitness competition, if you're doing something like jujitsu, you can backwards plan. So you say, okay, my competition's on this date. Obviously I know that I need to be more aggressive with training. And so I have this amount of time and this is what I can do in this amount of time to be at my very best by this date. I think that backwards planning is important as well. I would say, you know, we use the term leader standard work, and that really kind of ties that document into a business type setting or into a work type setting. But you can also use it at home. And maybe you call it home standard work. I don't know. I don't know. uh, You know, adult standard work. In that document, you can put every month I have to 
pay these bills or every quarter I got to get an oil change in my car right. or, you know, I have to do some type of uh, um, maintenance to my, to my home or, you know, file my taxes, whatever, like. Reassess so you, my budget. Yeah, know, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you could definitely use a leader standard work type of format for your, for your personal life and personal home. And also in fitness, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, like it, sure. it applies everywhere because all it does is reminds you of the things that you need to do and gives you a checklist to go off of. What would you recommend to others in seeking advice? Find something that works for you. What works for one person may not work for another. So find something that you're comfortable with. Like, for example, if you're not used to journaling and keeping notes and, and tracking a planner, you're going to struggle with that because it's right. going to be an added task. Find what works for you to stay organized. Maybe that's a calendar on your refrigerator. I mean, that's worked, but we found better, more efficient ways. Maybe it's sticky notes. Some people have sticky notes all over their computer desk and, and that somehow makes sense to them. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't make sense to me, but it may make sense to you. If you don't know a lot about organizing and planning, then read up on it. Follow podcasts that are about organizing or buy books about organizing, how to right. get organized. If you haven't found your solution yet and you're still looking, you have an iPhone. It's basically a computer in your pocket. Use it. Right. You know what I'm saying? There's a calendar and, on it. And, <laughs> and, you know, like you said, you know, find what works for you. So, you know, what works for some, you know, one person may not work for you and that's fine. You know, you might get a little bit discouraged. Try not to keep going at it until you find something that works. Yeah. One thing that I found works for me in the office when like information's coming in and I need to, I need to jot it down and maybe I can't put it like in my device at the moment or whatever, but it's important and I need to remember it. I love the big post-it notes that you can put on the wall. I'll slap one of those on the wall and throughout the day I might write something down or if I'm going through and I'm doing some type of audit, I'll start jotting stuff down and then I'll transcribe that over to whatever method it is that I'm using, whether it's in, in my phone or tablet or whatever it is that you know I'm using. That helps me. That may not work for you, but that's something that works for me. Some people are very visual and need to see it every day and then some people are fine with having it on their phone. If you're never going to look at your phone at your calendar, <laughs> putting it in your calendar ain't going to matter. No, it's not so matter. if you're somebody who needs to use that calendar on your desk, like have one of those big desk calendars, then do that. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Whatever it is that works for you, do that. Yeah, I agree. I even take pictures sometimes. If I can't put it into my device and I can't put it on the calendar, I'll take a picture of it or something like that, like a, an appointment card. I'll just take a picture of it. And I'll, later on, I'll go back to it and I'll add it back to my calendar. Right. Being disorganized can negatively impact your aspirations in health and fitness. Many of us have competing obligations and are often squeezing in health and fitness on the back end of our schedules, conducting these critically important tasks only when time permits, but then it never really does, does it? So you end up skipping that workout, not eating that healthy meal that you prepped, and now you're having to eat out. How do you prioritize your fitness goals? This is one that if you have a fitness goal... And really, this is with anything. I'm not going to say just fitness, but for us, we're really busy racing around with business life, you know, family stuff. When we add fitness there and fitness is important to your wellness, to how you're performing in your personal life, your, you know, your work life, all that stuff. Fitness is definitely important. And so to me, fitness is one of my values for sure. And what's encompassed in fitness, not just, you know, working out or eating healthy, but also the, the wellness aspect, the emotional aspect and all of that. But I prioritize that by ensuring that I'm organized enough to where at the end of the day, unless something is absolutely a priority that I be at work late, 
I say, this is the cutoff time. Whatever isn't done at this time, this is the cutoff time. So I'm leaving work at this time so that I can get home, change, and make it to jujitsu. Or this is, you know, I'm going to go to bed at this time so that I can get up at this time in the morning and go meet with our trainer. And guys, sometimes I'm not feeling it. I'll wake up and be like, oh my gosh, I just want to send him a message and be like, ain't going to be there today. Ain't feeling good. To think that people just get up, anybody, anybody who's ever been even minorly successful, it didn't just happen, guys. And they didn't have a perfect situation where they had no no interruptions, no distractions. Nobody's superhuman. So we all wake up in the mornings. Maybe it's not our morning. You know, maybe something bad happens. The other day I was a little bit frustrated because you know, one of our family members had an appointment. And so I was getting into work late. I was already a little bit stressed out because I was feeling like I was a little bit behind. And then I got to work and we're doing fitness meals and we're supposed to do about five meals a day. And they're, they're spaced apart a certain amount of time. And so it was my time to eat. I went to heat up my second meal. I set it on my desk. Guys, it fell over face down onto the floor. <laughs> I was upset. Like, oh man. And so I had to sit there and in the moment kind of really look at, at my situation and say, you know what? I have so much to be grateful for. And yes, this happened, but I have a lot to be grateful for. So this shouldn't ruin my day. Definitely. I would say that's how I prioritize fitness and I have to be deliberate. I can't just wing it. Yeah. You know? For me, adding it on my schedule and making it a part of my day and not something that I just do if I have time right. makes it more of a priority for me. So it's definitely on my calendar. If I don't do it, then I mark myself as, you know, I get sad my- Sad face. Yeah. Guys, like, he has happy faces and sad I faces. Do. <laughs> I do. I have. I do have that. And so I'll, I'll give myself a sad face for not uh, not doing my fitness. You know those stickers you got in grade school? <laughs> I'm still giving myself those stickers. Makes me feel good. The Mayo Clinic conducted a study that showed disorganized people have more anxiety and stress in their lives. This increases exhaustion levels and is displayed in physical ailments such as headaches and backaches. Being disorganized as a business owner is a surefire way to end up with a failed business concept or with large financial losses and in some extreme cases facing criminal charges with potential jail time. Owning a business and even running a side hustle requires proper documentation and licensing, in some cases adherence to critical regulatory requirements, leaving you subject to inspection and audit by regulatory bodies such as OSHA or even worse, the IRS. If you have employees, proper tracking of personal information, and if you have customers, proper tracking of billing and invoicing information to ensure that you're being paid correctly and on time. How have you organized your business to ensure success? So one of the biggest things that we do is annually we do a business scorecard. Yep. For those of you that don't know what a business scorecard is, it's basically the things that you want to accomplish for a year, like the weight of what those things are for accomplishing what you want to accomplish. And it's aligned with your mission, vision, and values. Keeping your mission, vision, and values in mind, you create this document as to what your goals are for that year and then align them based on the weight, the um, the impact to your business. And um, we do that annually and we actually do it with our whole team. So we're very transparent with our team And we think it's important to share with them, hey guys, this is our mission, vision, and values. And here's what we're looking at. What do you guys think? And we have that open dialogue with our guys. And so that's one of the most important things that we do. We also have 
Earlier, we talked about the leader standard of work. We have a leader standard of work for all of our leaders and managers that give them kind of that that basic template based on their job. And then, of course, they can go in and add in for their particular area or site what they need to add in addition to what's already there. So that's another thing that we do. And then, of course, we have meetings. So we have regular meetings where we discuss how the business is doing if things need to change, if we're having a launch somewhere where we need to pull people from another area or another site and how that impacts kind of our, you know, our business as a whole. Yeah. So those are ways that I feel like that we've organized the business to ensure success. Has this organization ever negatively impacted uh, the operation? I think we're still pretty new, but I but I would also say yes, because um, there's a couple areas, and part of this is when you're a new business and you don't have all your policies and you don't have all your stuff together yet, it makes it a little bit more difficult when you're doing things. So let's say a good example is when we do a launch, especially if it's in a new state. I'm going to use that as an example. There are certain requirements. So one, you have to be registered in that state. That takes time. That already changes the date of when you can launch based on the fact that you need to be registered first. So you need to have your tax ID for that state, for the employees who will be in that state working. And then HR laws are different there. And then you need certain equipment. So like our guys work off of a tablet. We need to order that tablet. They need vests. They need gloves. And so all these things take time. And so at one point when we went to launch a site, we sent guys from one site to that site to basically work there in the beginning. And there's a few things that we noticed. One was, obviously, it was more expensive to do it that way. So we gave ourselves a shorter amount of time than probably would have been optimal. And then two, it kind of was really a crunch with trying to get the tablet, get the tablet set up, get the vests in, get the gloves in. And so we kind of created that beast. <laughs> Yeah. on our own. So definitely when we're not as organized as we should be, um, that can negatively impact your operations. Were we still successful? Yes. Was it difficult? Yes. But stresses everybody out who has to try to make those timelines shorter, or maybe this person who's got their schedule together, you're like, hey, today I need you to do this because we're launching in two days. Right. So you throw a wrench into somebody's schedule and usually people don't appreciate that. <laughs> it- me, I'm the one throwing the wrenches. <laughs> me, I'm that person. <laughs> yeah, it's typically me saying, hey, we're going to launch tomorrow. What? I thought we had a week. No, it's tomorrow now. If you're ready to level up, then I encourage you to purchase the book, What to Do When There's Too Much to Do, Reduce Tasks, Increase Results, and Save 90 Minutes a Day by Laura Stack, as if you don't already have enough to do, right? This book will give you the tools needed to save both time and money while reducing your stress and anxiety levels. And listen, it's, it's time to level up when it comes to organizing your day, your week, your month, hell, organizing your life. It's time to stop struggling to find organization and disorganization and to begin organizing with intent. It's time to develop realistic expectations with your tasks and your goals. Let's stop waiting for later to do something that we know we need to do right now. Let's get away from requiring a perfect scenario for a perfect outcome. And let's stop using perfection as an excuse as to why we can't get things done. Let's reduce the distractions that are keeping us from being undeniable and make quick and definite decisions when it's required of us so that we too can be undeniable in our level up.